Welcome to the weekly podcast channel for the Wilmington Church of Christ. We hope that this channel inspires and encourages you to take the gospel to all people, transforms hearts to be like Christ, and trains disciples to make disciples. For more information about our church, please go to wcconline.org. Enjoy the message. In a conversation I was having with my son the day we were driving in the car, and I said, did you know that the Bible said we should present our bodies as living sacrifices? And he said, yeah, I think I have heard of that. I said, do you know how to do that? And he went, no. You know, sometimes uh, worshiping God can be a little bit mysterious. And when we hear words, like Jesus tells the woman of the well, he says we're going to worship in spirit and truth. And sometimes we scratch our head and say, well, what exactly does he mean by spirit and truth? And, and then we think, we, oh, well, I think I got a handle on the truth part. You know, the word of God is truth. We're, we'll find out. And then Paul comes along and he says, we're going to present our bodies, our bodies as a living sacrifice, and this is going to be our true and proper worship. One preacher said, I think I understand what sacrifice is. You know, Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross. Okay, I'm a living sacrifice. I can figure out how to hammer my feet to a cross, and I can figure out how to hammer my hand to a cross, but it's hard to get that other hand hammered. And so he said, how do I do a living sacrifice? If we are called to be a living sacrifice, it becomes kind of mysterious. Maybe we don't know what that is. But I am here to tell you that God explains how we are to worship him in a true and proper worship, a true way in the passage that he says, this is going to be your true and proper worship. If you'll turn to Romans chapter 12 in your Bibles, uh, we'll read what Paul says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is our true and proper worship. And we'll actually know how to worship God in a way that honors him, in a way that he commands, in a way that he says, this is, this is right. It's Romans chapter 12 is where we, where we find this verse and where we find this command to be a spiritual uh, uh, live sacrifice. Here it is, Romans 12, verse 1. I'll read verses 1 and 2, and then we'll kind of break it down and discuss what it means. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There is a right way to worship God that Paul says is true and proper. And he says, it's based on all the mercies God has given us. So if we go back and we read Romans 1 through 11, we're going to see how Paul says, look at all the ways God gives us mercies. Therefore, because of those mercies we just read about, Romans 1 through 11, you're going to have your mind transformed and you're going to respond properly by making your body a living sacrifice. Now we need to break that down. We need to understand what that means. We know what a sacrifice is. I mean, we've seen it in the movies. We've heard about it maybe in the Old Testament. If we've ever been to Sunday school, we've seen maybe some sacrifice. We know what that is. A sacrifice is a dead animal. You bring an animal to an altar, you slit the throat, blood comes out, you put the animal on, you have a barbecue. That's sacrifice. We know what that is. But it's so much different when we say we're going to have a living sacrifice. Paul tells us. He doesn't leave us hanging. He tells us how to do it. And it's three ways. Three ways that we're going to read about, and, and it comes in chapters 12, 13, and 14, all the way to chapter 15. Three ways to be a living sacrifice. One is serve each other. Two is love each other. And three is accept each other. There are three ways to be a living sacrifice. Serve, love, and accept. Serve each other, 
love each other and accept each other. If you do this, you will be worshiping in a true and proper worship. Now, this first one, serve each other. This is kind of fun. This is kind of fun. Um, Paul says, Romans 12, he starts off this service section with verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, that one's kind of an iffy statement too. How do I think of myself in a right way? Well, let me give you an example of thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. A lot of us have been trained this way. I think maybe I've even taught this mistakenly, that we come to church to be fed we come to church to be spiritually fed, actually makes me think of myself more highly than I ought. Because if I'm coming in for you to serve me, then I put myself on a pedestal where I deserve to be served. And Paul says, we shouldn't think of ourselves more highly than we ought. We should actually be thinking of ourselves in a sober judgment and according to the grace given to us. And that grace refers to how we're supposed to serve others. And he goes on to say, we actually belong to each other in the, in the body of Jesus, and we're supposed to take the spiritual gift we've been given in Jesus and go serve one another. And as we serve one another using our spiritual gift, this is actually going to be true and proper worship. Now, as a result, we'll be fed spiritually, but if we come to be fed, we've started putting ourselves higher than other people saying, you serve me. But instead, Jesus says, act like him. Jesus says, think like Jesus, act like Jesus. And Jesus says, if you want to be first, you're going to have to be last. If you want to be great, you're going to have to be a servant. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus gave his body and life in service. When we are connected to Christ and we act like Christ, our job is to take our body and our life and not give it to, we can give it to the death, but to use it to serve other Christians. And what if your spiritual gift is designed by God for you to meet the needs of somebody else, not have your needs met? If you come to church looking to have your needs met, you might be going awry and thinking too highly of yourself like you need to be served. But if you come in with the attitude of Christ, I have come to be served, you will be doing true and proper worship. And get this, the spiritual gifts listed here are not really activated all that much on Sunday morning during our one hour of sacred worship time. We serve this giant, beautiful, glorious God. And if we only think our worship is on Sunday morning for one hour while we sing 15 minutes of songs and listen to a long-winded preacher, we have cut our worship really short. God actually deserves to be worshiped every single day. He's so beautiful and so glorious, and Jesus has done so much for us. Read it again. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, let's just take one of his mercies. Romans chapter 5 says it. You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might dare to possibly die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Look at that grace. In view of God's grace, 
our proper response is to make ourselves a living sacrifice. And then he says, go and serve other people. Go and serve the church. That is your true and proper worship. When's the last time we stopped our worship service, though, and we decided to use the gift of mercy? That's one of the gifts here. When's the last time we did that? Like we said, you know what? Your gift is really good at encouraging and really good at mercy. So we're going to stop our Sunday morning worship. We're going to go listen to each other's problems. We're going to help each other and lift them out of whatever pit they're in, whatever depression they're in, and we're going to serve them in such a way that we help them out and carry their burdens, and we serve them. When have we done that in church service? See, worship has to be Monday through Sunday, Sunday through Saturday. It has to be every day of the week, and it has to be activated when we use our spiritual gifts to serve. There's only one person right now using their spiritual gift in this room unless your spiritual gift is listening. God's given me this gift to teach the scripture and I hope that I do it clearly and when I'm not, please tell me, hey, I didn't understand and I'll try to make that better and I feel like one of my gifts is teaching and and making the scripture really clear. But if your worship time is just right now, I'm the only one worshiping. When you sing, you got to worship. I think, being, I think singing and, and listening to sermon is worship, but it's so little compared to the worship that we should be giving. And the worship of mercy and generosity and encouragement and teaching and prophecy listed here in Romans, it has to be done during the week when you are interacting with your coworkers and your people at school and, and when you go out at night. It has to be activated then. Our worship shouldn't be confined to a sacred place at one sacred time. Our worship is whenever we share our spiritual gifts, serving one another, we make that a sacred time, whenever we do it. And so our goal should be to increase the moments of sacred time we have with the Lord by serving each other. I get to help teach a karate class, and uh, there's two classes back to back. And one karate class, everybody in there, the parents and the children, are very worried about the coronavirus. And, and they have immune problems, and they're, they're trying to stay away from people. And when they would leave class, and the next class comes in, the next class, nobody in that class is worried about coronavirus. The parents aren't, the kids aren't. So one class wears a mask, the other class doesn't wear a mask. And when they cross past the first class that's really worried about it, they're like, oh, no, we can't be around them. They're, they're, they're physically scared. So how does the second class serve the first class? How do they use their gift of service to help the first class? We say, hey, you know what? We know you're not concerned about it, but because our job is to serve like Jesus Christ, we're going to have you wear a mask as you come into class and as you pass them, and that way you'll serve that second class. When Paul was writing Romans, he was writing to these house churches that were having this great big division. There was maybe... 10 to 20 house churches, archaeological evidence has, has excavated them. There are these, these homes, the churches met in the homes. There might have been 200 Christians in Rome at the time. And um, they were having this real big division. And Paul described them as those who are weak in faith and those who are strong in faith. And those who were weak in faith were judging those who were strong in faith. And those who were strong in faith were condemning those who were weak in faith. And they were having this fight. And Paul says, no, 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 we can't. We have to serve one another. This is going to be how you worship, is if you serve each other. 
sacrifices, though. I read a survey that nine out of ten sacrificial lambs did not enjoy being sacrificed. If you, if you go serve, if you go serve somebody, and it's going to cost you time, energy, and money, that's a sacrifice. And if you're doing it every chance you get, so you, you take your, your hour of sacred time with God and you make it 30 hours out of the week you have sacred time with God because you're serving each other, it's, it's going to be a sacrifice. It's going to be difficult. And sometimes you're not going to enjoy it. But you're not doing it whether you enjoy it or not. You're doing it because you're, that's what our calling is as a Christ follower to take on the thinking and the actions of Christ to serve each other to God's glory. This is your true and proper worship. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. And it's going to be hard. And it's going to be sacrifice. But this is how you worship God truly. And it also means that our worship all of a sudden becomes week-long instead of just once a week. This is going to be good, right? What would happen if our community, if our church worshiped God this way, using their spiritual gifts to serve one another all week long? Don't you think God's name would be glorified more often? Second, it's just like it. Love one another. Love each other. Paul continues. We serve. That's one way to do spiritual sacrifice. The second is love. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the, with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. You know, none of these gifts can be used necessarily on Sunday morning very well. This action of love happens all during the week. Think about that gift of hospitality. Loving people with hospitality. Hospitality means you make an environment so warm and inviting, people don't want to leave. Do you do that here on Sunday morning very often? Well, I got greeted at the door. Oh, that is kind of nice. That is an act of service. I'm glad somebody said hi to me with a smile behind their mask. I could tell they were smiling because it was in their eye. But hospitality happens in our homes. When we open up our homes and we have such service and love in our heart that people can come in and they can open our refrigerator without even asking and start searching. That's hospitality. That's the love of Christ showing through. Last night at Lynchburg First Church of Christ, there was a prayer vigil for a lady named Molly, a young lady who is suffering from COVID. And she was put on a vent. And so they gathered together, the church members from Martinsville and Lynchburg and Wilmington, they gathered together for a prayer vigil to pray for her because they loved her. And some of the people who showed up to pray for her didn't even know her. They just know they're supposed to show love. I'm glad to say today they're reducing her oxygen because she is improving a little bit. We have to love each other, and love sometimes takes sacrifice, and it takes time, money, and energy. If you have children, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you want to help your child, and you spend time and energy and money helping your child, and then they spew venom back in your face in rebellion. Any parent ever had that? If you've had that at home, raise your hand. If you've had that in here, don't raise your hand. <laughs> And yet, we will still go back and love them and do it again because we do love them. 
And it's worth it to be able to show that love. That's how we're supposed to treat each other. That's the type of love that God says is true worship. And it has to happen more than on Sunday morning. I think we're getting that. I don't think I have to hit that anymore. But we have to show that love. And when we love each other like Christ loved, he says, a new command I give you, love as I have loved you. Well, how did Christ love us? Well, he died for us. So how do you go love somebody else? You might be called to die for somebody, but more likely, God is calling you to die every day to your own personal wants, your own personal needs, your own personal rights, so that you can love each other more, so you can love somebody else more fully. What would happen in our community if we loved that way? There would be people coming off their oxygen all the time because we would be praying for them in love. We would be serving them in love. We would be honoring them in love. God would show up and he would provide healing for our community and our bodies and our country if we would love like Jesus loved. Do you think anybody at the Capitol two weeks ago was saying, I'm going to love you and I'm going to sacrifice myself for you? You think anybody was doing that? It starts here with us. We have to love that way. And when we do, things start changing. In fact, Paul says this is how you truly, properly worship the Lord. And then he, he ends with accept one another. And I've already kind of already hit some of that. But chapters 14 all the way through 15 talks about accepting each other. Now this takes sacrifice. So the, the battle that they were having at that first church where Paul was writing is, is a kind of a battle over meat and holy days. And so those, Paul said they had those who were weak in faith and those who were strong in faith. And it said the weak in faith said you can't eat any meat. And the strong in faith said, you know what, God has saved me and it doesn't matter what I eat because my salvation is not based on what I eat. And Paul says, yeah, that, that's the right faith and, and this is, or the strong faith and that's the weak faith says you can only eat meat. Now, we follow along, this, we're scratching our head because we don't have that argument in our church. And so what the those Christians that Paul calls weak, here's what they would say. How can you call yourself a Christian if you go eat meat? They were judging those who were strong in faith. And the people who were strong in faith would say something like, don't pay any attention to them. They don't even understand the true doctrine of grace. They're losers. Don't even pay attention to them. And they were condemning and holding in contempt those who were weak. And Paul says that's not how we're going to live and worship God. And so he says this, Romans chapter 14. He said, except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. The one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. How are we accepted in Christ? We're accepted in Christ by faith in Christ. Faith in what Jesus has done for us, not in what we do. We're saved by grace, through faith, in baptism, for good works. We're not saved by good works. We're saved to do good works. And so whether you eat meat or not eat meat, you can still be saved in the Lord. Is there a command in the Bible anywhere that you can't eat meat? No. Is there a command in the Bible that you have to eat meat? No. It's disputable. It's a disputable matter. They were arguing over it. 
And Paul says we should accept one another. And then he, he ends this, this passage, whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. It's a disputable matter. Chapter 15, verse 7, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. This is your true and proper worship. When you accept one another in the Lord, it brings praise to God. Now, let's hit close to home and step on some toes. Let's just change the words a little bit. Hang with me. Don't get up and leave. If you're online at home, I won't know if you leave or not. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them not to wear a mask anywhere they go. But another whose faith is weak wears a mask everywhere they go. The one who doesn't wear a mask anywhere must not treat with contempt the one who does. And the one who wears a mask everywhere must not judge the one who does not. Because we're accepted in God through Jesus Christ, not whether we wear a mask or not. But listen closely. Our elders have asked us to wear a mask whenever we're in the facility. And it's not a question of whether we believe the virus is true or whether masks help or not. It's just a question of how we're going to serve and love one another. Do you know we have people who won't come and gather in our building because they're scared of the virus and they see somebody not wearing a mask and they don't show up? How are you going to serve them? How are you going to love them? Well, for me, because elders have said, anybody in the facility not on stage teaching or singing needs to wear a mask. Here's how I'm going to serve. When I'm not on the platform, I'll wear a mask. It's not a question of whether I believe it's helpful or not. It's not a question of whether I believe the virus is deadly or not. It's just a question of whether I'm going to love and serve somebody else. And I want to have true and proper worship. So my elders ask me to do something. They're not asking me to sin. They're just asking me to help serve and love somebody else. And when I wear a mask, I hope that you will accept me as a saved follower of Jesus who's trying to worship God with true and proper ways just by serving and loving others. I hope you can do that for me. I want everybody to come and gather and worship. I want everybody to worship wherever they go. I want us to increase our amount of time that we are spending sacred to God because we're increasing the amount of time we're serving each other and loving each other and accepting each other over disputable matters. I'm so thankful. Somebody taught me this phrase years ago. They, were coming, they came to me and complained about the church up the street, and they said, can you believe they did that? And I said, you know what? That is a way to do church. It's not the way we're going to do church, and, but it is a legitimate way. They're, they're training disciples there, and they're bringing people to faith there, and uh, they're, they're leading people closer to Jesus there, and they do some things differently than we do. But it is a legitimate way to do church. It's just not the way we're going to do church. We can accept them as our brothers and sisters in Christ. The disciples came to Jesus. John came to Jesus and said, Jesus, we saw them casting out demons in your name, but we told them to stop because they weren't one of us. And Jesus says, let them keep casting out demons in my name. If they're for us, they're not against us. So I got an email this past week that said, hey, we're going to another church because they play only hymns. And that's the way they, that we like church better. And we, we want to be fed. <laughs> and, I, and I said, well, that is a, a way to do church. There is churches in our town that play only hymns, and that is a legitimate, worthy way to worship the Lord. And we're a church that rarely plays hymns, and that is a legitimate, worthy way to worship the Lord. They're both good ways to worship the Lord. We have to accept 
our brothers and sisters in Christ who worship differently than us, if it's on not a disputable matter. If it's a command in Scripture, then we can have a disagreement and talk about it. But if it's disputable, we need to accept this is how we're going to worship God properly and in a true way. We follow along? And does that mean we'll have to sacrifice our own wants and desires? Yeah, because sacrifice takes our time, energy, and money, and sometimes it's really uncomfortable. That's why it's called a sacrifice. It's not easy. But it is worth it if it means God's glory. And it's worth it if we end up worshiping in a true and proper way, one that God honors. I heard a preacher put it this way. He said, Psalm 119 says the heavens declare the glory of God. He said, Psalm 29 says, the storm clouds that roll in, no, Psalm 19, the storm cloud that rolls in, this power storm, you ever seen a storm roll in with power? And you say, whoa, look at how mighty God made this world. God is a mighty God. He said, which gives God more glory? The storm cloud or a body of believers loving and serving and accepting each other in the name of God for the praise of Jesus Christ. Which gives God more glory? If I spend every day asking God, what do, you want me, what do you want to do with me today? How can I serve your kingdom? How can I love people like Jesus loved me? Which gives God more glory? Me submitting my heart to that kind of worship or the storm clouds? He says it's the church. When the church acts and thinks like Jesus, when the church offers itself as a spiritual sacrifice, it gives God more glory than anything in creation. Which one are we going to be? Here's how we respond. We have a response given to us right now that Jesus says we should do. It's called communion. Communion reminds us to serve each other, to love each other, and to accept each other, but don't leave you where you are. Grow you in your faith and grow you in your closeness to God. Communion reminds us of this. Would you get out your bread? When Jesus met with his disciples, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. And then the disciples watched him go out and sacrifice his body on the cross. And then they say, you know what? It's a worthy God. They saw his resurrection. It's a worthy God to sacrifice our bodies every day for what Jesus wants us to do. Would you participate in the body? Would you take out the cup? And after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you. When we participate in the cup, we remind ourselves that spiritually, everywhere we, we, where we have failed, we have been covered by the blood of Christ and made holy. And because he declares us holy and righteous, we can go serve him. And when we serve him and love others and serve others, gives him glory. Would you participate in the cup? Would you allow me to pray for us? Lord, I need help. Sometimes it's very difficult for me to serve somebody that I have had an argument with. Would you give me the strength and power? Would you renew my mind by your glories and mercy that you've given me? Would you allow me to think like Jesus thought? Put myself in a position to serve 
so I bring you glory. And God, I need your help to love people who have hurt my feelings and to bless my enemies and pray for them instead of curse them. Would you renew my mind with your glory and with your sacrifice? Would you remind me of the love you have given me so I can go and love others with that same sacrificial love? God, I pray that over our church that you would renew our minds, renew our hearts, and we would look for ways to give you glory through service and love and acceptance this next week where our worship happens on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, Friday and Saturday, and we come back, and when we gather again, we're just going to celebrate all the ways that you showed up when we worshiped you, all the ways that you gave us power and strength to bring about healing in your name, to bring about a word in your name, to give encouragement and hospitality and mercy in your name, all because we were worshiping you with our bodies and our minds as living sacrifices. God, would you make us joyful as we sacrifice our rights and our property and our time and our energy to your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If this message has inspired you or encouraged you, we would love if you shared it with a friend. To help support ministries like this one, go to wcconline.org slash donate.